Mine's good. Life good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, you know what? You know, some days that you have and you're just like so good at your job that you think, no. I'm so good at this. Why is anybody else even trying? I'm just so smart. You never have that? No, that's never come up in my career. Oh boy. Some days when you just you nail the timing of a storm and you tell people and they they like change their plans and it works, man. Yeah. Feels so good. Feels yeah. so good. But uh hey, enough about me. How's your day going? It's going okay. It's going okay. And I guess that's a nice change from people yelling at you as a meteorologist. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, you get beaten down so much that uh, when you get a win, you, you really, yes, yeah, it feels good. Yeah. There was one time, Scott, we were going through the border crossing to the United States. Our, our buddy Dave Hyde was with us. And we were going through and you were driving the car and the border agent asked, oh, what do you do? And I, I assumed he was going to ask all of us. But you said... I'm a meteorologist. And then the American border agent proceeded to make fun of meteorologists for the next five minutes. Didn't ask Dave or I a question <laughs> and then let us go through. Like, and then that was it. Yeah. We could have had anything with us. <laughs> like the, when you said meteorologist, that was it for this guy. Like the, like the, the dogs could have come out and started barking at the car. Like if, if we had drugs or something and he would have been like, man, whatever meteorologist, you guys are the worst. Like I, I almost thought we were going to get detained because he hated meteorologists. <laughs> right? We didn't have anything illegal in the car. I wasn't worried about that, but I thought we were going to get stopped because he was laying into you so hard. It was very yeah. entertaining. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people are interested when I tell them that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, and some, some of it's for good reasons and some of it's <laughs> that. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you that you had a, a positive experience doing oh, yeah. some forecasting. Yeah, it feels good. Good stuff. So uh, we are here today to continue our series on top players by decade. Today, Scott, we are entering the decade where I first watched curling. That My first memories of curling are in this decade. It is the 1990s. Scott, you are a couple years older than me. Do you have memories of the 80s or are you the same as me? Is, is the 90s standout? For when you started to really pay attention to the sport. I feel like I have vague memories of the 89 Briar and, and uh, Scotty's seeing some on TV, but uh, the nineties for sure is, is like you say for us, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the decade where we remember watching it on TV. I remember playing it on the floor uh, yeah. during, you know, when it was on and yeah, this is really sort of the, where where our love of curling comes from absolutely yeah this is like you say it's just that early memory as a kid it would come on in february and march and it would just be on every day you come home from school and it was mom had already had it on uh just really really super fun to to watch at that time the yelling and the screaming was always entertaining so this is a, a fun decade to look back on and uh this time scott we actually only have 10 we were able to restrain ourselves this time yeah i mean it was it was still tough it was still a tough uh 
decision. There's some names that we debated, but, you know, decided, no, let's make it 10. That'll be it. Yeah. And uh, so one of the names that isn't here that might surprise you is Jeff Stoughton, two-time Briar champion, which just shows, or two-time Briar champion in this decade, which just shows how loaded this list is. We thought the 80s was loaded. I think, you know, if you stack them up person to person, I might lean towards the 80s a little bit, list to list, but it'd be a fun bond spiel. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was super fun. And and Sean, I think, I think we have five men and five women on here and i think we had that for both of our other ones as well which was not intentional uh, at least by me not intentional but i mean there's just some great uh great women curlers especially in the 90s here uh towards the top of that list so yeah i mean it's nice to see nice to see this sport uh sort of unconsciously for us being both men and women are sort of equal because that's just kind of how we think about uh, curling. Yeah. And uh, so just looking real quick in the seventies, we actually had of the 11 people we talked about seven women on that list. And mm. then six of the 11 in the 1980s were women. So uh, yeah, so pretty good equal representation here. And just like with the 1980s, we do have some pretty good international representation on this list. And Scott, let's get started with one of those international reps. That's Helena Black Larvsen from Denmark, the 16 time world champion or world championship appearance uh, through her career, won a silver medal in 1998, bronze medals in 1990 and 1997. She was the world champion in 1982. Uh, didn't get a world championship here in the 1990s, though. She did, however, win the European Championship in 1994, the silver at the Euros in 1997, and a bronze in 1998. But what really secures her place on the list for me is in 1998 at those Olympic Games in Nagano, first time that curling appears as a full medal sport, she is on the podium in the silver medal spot, having lost the gold medal game. So that, to me, Scott, really cinches her place on this top 10 list. Yeah, just such a, a great long career. Uh, very consistent, right? Like uh, yeah. 16 world appearances, that's uh, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of success over those years, too. So uh, definitely a name that should be on this list. Absolutely. So, uh, and one of those, th and this is another one, and there's been a few on the list so far of, of names of players who we just kind of forget or who aren't really in our consciousness, whether because they've been overshadowed by other people, they didn't have the, the length of careers, maybe some other folks, but this is a player who, again, silver medal at the first Olympics where it's a full medal sport, really noteworthy accomplishment. And, you know, there are other silver medalists at the 1998 Olympic Games who have dined out on that for 23 years. Yeah, some that might uh, work in TV booths now, right? Yeah, and I'm not saying that as criticism. That's a compliment. Oh, yeah. I would uh, I, I would love to be a silver medalist at uh, anything. Yeah, and I would absolutely dine, on that, dine, dine out on that for as long as humanly possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, Scott, who's next on our list here? Next up, Sean, we have Patrick Herleman. 
Yeah. A Swiss curler, uh, world bronze medalist in 96 and 99. And as we just talked about the Olympic silver medalist in 1997, this is the Olympic gold medalist in ni- or 1998, rather the, the first Olympic gold medal in curling, uh, goes to this Swiss skip and, uh, you got to include that on the list, right? It's the first time the Olympics are uh, are a real thing. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about Patrick Curleman here is that he doesn't have that same level of sustained success. It's kind of interesting that he plays Mike Harris in mm-hmm. that gold medal game, right? Two guys who, to a certain degree, have a similar career path where they peaked in this 1998 Olympic cycle at the Olympic Games. And, and they get there. They represent themselves well. They They get medals but they don't have the sustained success as other players of that era who you might have expected to be in that game. Like there's so many other people who, some of whom we will talk about on this list that if you were just to ask a random person, like who would you have thought was in the gold medal game on the men's side in 1998? I'm not sure that Mike Harris, Patrick Hurleman would have been at the top of the list of people who you would thought. And I know going into the games, Certainly in Canada, going into the trials, Mike Harris wasn't expected to make it through. And then for him to get to that silver medal position, pretty incredible. Uh, Same thing here for Herleman. And we haven't talked a lot about Swiss players so far on the list. So for as much as the Swiss are a powerhouse now, not so much back then. Uh, I mean, good and had solid appearances and, and solid finishes at world championship, but not to the same degree as we see today. So a bit of a surprise there in 98 for Herleman. And certainly that is worthy of a spot on this list, I think, uh, just like you, uh, but not higher than where he is. I, I think he's in a good spot. Yeah, I think I think so. I think so. And we'll definitely be talking about Swiss curling in the future, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and also looking at the, our list and the rest of the men's players that we've got, I think you would have expected all of them to be in. Uh, the Olympic gold medal in 1998. You would choose them all before, before Patrick Hurleman. So, yep. uh, yeah, well done by by winning that gold medal. But Sean, I want you to tell me who's next on the list. Next up, we are going over to Scotland. We haven't had a lot of Scottish representation on our list so far, and we are going to talk about David Smith, the curler who had a wide variety of teams' positions over the course of his career. Very solid performances in the 1990s. He won the 1991 World Curling Championship, had silver medal in 1990, 1993, 1996. He also had a silver medal at the 1991 European Curling Championships. And just for good measure, He's gone on to uh, great success at the senior level as well. So overall, Scott, I I think one of these teams where we are one of these guys who come in out of Scotland, very competitive in Scotland, uh, but to come in to get that world championship uh, and to get medals here in 90, 93, uh, 96 as well, just a really good sustained run for him and the team in the early part of the 1990s to have great success. Of course, he is the father of Kyle Smith, who we've seen at at events before, and his brother Cameron. Uh, So great lineage in the family there. And just overall, a a very solid early part of the 1990s for David Smith. Yeah, and and his brother is Warwick Smith, who 
uh, has played with him at at times, not not every time, but uh, yeah, I I looked at his accomplishments in you know seven worlds coming out of Scotland. We do tend to see the same teams now, but it's it's a very competitive country for curling. Uh, and I thought, you know, we need we need some Scottish representation here, Sean. Absolutely. And uh, you know, seven worlds with a gold and a silver in there, not too shabby. Ain't nothing wrong well, with that. Gold and three silvers in the nineties. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. All right, Scott, let's move on up to our first Canadian entry on the list. Well, Sean, this woman could have been on your list maybe in the 80s, but the 90s is where she really made her bones, and that's Connie Laliberti, the great Connie Laliberti out of Manitoba, Scotty's champion in 1992, 1995, runner-up in 94, bronze in 96, sort of, and 99, dominant in that middle part of the 90s uh, decade. World silver medalist in 1995 and a bronze medalist in 1992 for those uh, two championships in the Scotties. It should be noted, however, she did win in 1984 and was the world champion. So just a, a really great resume, a really great curler and someone who was, I always remember her being very intense on the ice and I think she sort of sets up Manitoba to be what it is now, what we see uh, in the women's game in Manitoba. It, it can be traced, I I would say, back to Connie Laliberti. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, at least for me, when I think 90s Manitoba curling, it's Connie Laliberti and Jeff Stout. It's those two in the yellow uh, jerseys. Uh, and that's what I think of when I think of, of 90s curling in Manitoba. And maybe that's wrong and, and unfair to some other teams, but – uh, just a an incredible player in this era. Just so hard to beat. Just incredible performances. Doesn't get that world championship in the '90s. You know, as you say, gets it in in '84. But just one of those teams where, in this era of no internet and no one showing provincial championships, you just turn on the TV and you're like, yeah, of course, Connie Laliberti. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. And, you know, Connie Laliberti, of course, played with Janet Arnett, who went on to coach uh, Jennifer Jones, played with Kathy Goche, who we know so well. Uh, so, yeah, really strong roots in that uh, Manitoba curling. Yeah, uh, no question about it. So uh, let's move up to the next spot on the list. This is going to be somebody who could appear later, and I might actually argue should appear later uh, in, the, in the list, but it's Kevin Martin. The great skip from Alberta in the 1990s. He won the Briar in 1991 and 1997. Was the runner-up at the Briar in 96 and bronze in 92 and 95. He would almost represent Canada at those 1998 Olympics, losing to Mike Harris in the final of the 97 trials. He did, though, make his first Olympic appearance at the 1992 games in Alberville, France, where it was still a demonstration sport. And he would go 3-0 in the round robin. There was pool play here for reasons uh, that I don't fully understand. There was eight teams in the competition, and they did a single round robin pool play. And he went 3-0 in the pool, but lost to Switzerland in the semifinal match and then lost to Bud Somerville 
in the bronze medal game mm. there in 1992. So Kevin Martin, a bit of a, a struggle, I guess, in the playoffs at that Olympic Games. The World Championship, similarly, it was it's always it was always sort of held up as one of these things where for Kevin Martin at the World Championship, like how good is he going to be? Uh, he did not make the playoffs, I believe, at the 97 edition. Did win the silver medal in 1991 in Winnipeg. So he he did not get his first world championship until 2008. But when you're looking at the 1990s, a couple of briars, an Olympic appearance, kind of tough to argue against the old bear. The old bear, the golden bear. And the reason I put him in here, Sean, uh, yeah. So full disclosure, this was my entry that I that I thought should be in here, is that sort of sustained uh, greatness from the front to the back of the decade, you know, and continuing on for another decade after that. Uh, so having a gold medal in '91 and '97, uh, being sort of at the top of the sport throughout the whole decade, uh, I think justifies Kevin Martin being here. Maybe you could say it'd be higher, but we're going to talk about uh, some other players. And I, I think it's deserved to be on the list. Here is fine with me. We could maybe argue higher, but uh, it's it's like, I, I think he'll be on next decade's list as well. Yeah, no, but, no. Yeah, there's no question. I think there's no question he has to be on the next one. I mean, he made the, the Olympics in 02 and in 2010. And yeah. I, 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 he doesn't have a lot of Briar success in the early part of the decade, but that's because... He was not participating. Not there, and yeah. Now, Randy Furby would say that I would have beat him anyway. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> he he wasn't participating. And I, I do think that the foundation of the slams is an important thing to consider. And for as much as I might want to dismiss some of his claims about the significance of the total number of grand slams that he won during his career, I think they're somewhat overstated. The formation of that and how central he was to the formation of that is worthy of of consideration when you're doing a list. And we'll, we'll certainly get into that when we get into the aughts. But I think there's no question he's on the next list, but worthy of this list, too. And, and honestly, Scott, if we were doing a list of, say, 90 to 2010, like a 20 year stretch, he's probably number one. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably probably not even close. Yeah. Yeah. So. uh yeah, Kevin Martin. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have much more to say about it, other than there's one guy who beat him a lot, <laughs> who's just ahead of him. <laughs> who would that be, Sean? That's the great Pale Lindholm, who you might know recently as a regular coach for Team World or Team Europe at the Continental Cup, but. He was a world championship skip or world champion skip, excuse me, in 1997, won the silver medal in 1998 as well. He's got a couple other world championships in 01 and 04. He was also at the 1990 World Junior Championships where he won the bronze medal. So a great career through the 1990s for Pale Lindholm representing Sweden. And getting that gold medal, as you said, Scott, in an event that Kevin Martin was uh, was at. The other thing about why we put Pale Lindholm ahead of him here is that he sort of had Kevin Martin's number. Yeah. Uh, beating him there in 1997, like you said. Uh, beating him again in, 
at the Olympics in Salt Lake City. Yep. Uh, in 2002, uh, and and then I think Martin beat him in the the semifinal, which was like his first win in a decade over <laughs> Paolintol, or at least I think ten matches. So we couldn't put Kevin Martin ahead of Paolintol just for that. Just for that reason, yeah, I, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, is it my turn now? Yeah, go for it. Who's next? Let's do it. Uh, Sean, last week we talked about uh, Trin Trulsen. The Norwegian skip, and we're going back to Norway on the female side for Dordi Nordby. Yeah, one of the best names in the sport. Dordi Nordby. Love Dordi uh, Nordby. <laughs> European champion in 1990, 1999, Euro bronze medals in 93, 94, two time world gold medalist 1990, 1991, silver in 97, bronze in 93, 95, 96. Uh, silver in those 92 Olympics in Albertville as the demonstration sport. So she's top three. She's top like in the podium for six out of seven years uh, between 1990 and 1997. It's pretty good. Not bad. Yeah. I remember her like having long, like gray hair kind of, <laughs> and just being a dominant, just going out and, you know, slicing you up, just looking so different from, the killer that she was on the ice. Yeah. And you kind of get that, I think with some of these, these players, some of these European players where yeah, they, they look just like pleasant human beings, but they will cut your heart out yeah. on the ice. If you give them the chance. So good. Yeah. Just, just incredible. And, and again, one of those players who you just kind of knew like, and again, we were kids and, but you just knew Doherty Nordby. You knew who she was. And mm-hmm. again, when it was Women's World Championship time, oh, yeah, yeah, Doherty Nordby. Yeah, that's a tough game. Like, you just, it was expected to be there. And, and I think that's one of those things where, for me, when you're thinking about how good somebody is, reputation, I don't know how much it should matter, but it's to a certain extent, it matters to me. And you just, Doherty Norby's there. She's going to be a tough out. Yeah. And, and one of, the names that Vic likes saying the most, I think. Yeah. If Doherty Norby was from Oromukdo, like that's it. <laughs> that's the whole broadcast. Look out. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move up to the number three position. This is a name, Scott, we could have seen in the 1980s, but we're going with the 1990s. The man with no voice. That's right. Russ Howard. And uh, he has a voice, but uh, usually by Tuesday night at a briar, it was gone. <laughs> It's pretty much gone, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously a great career for Russ Howard. He was the 1987 uh, Briar and World Champion, but we're putting him into the 1990s list because he played in five Briars in the decade, represented Ontario in 91, 2, 3, and 4, before he moved out to New Brunswick to play in the 99 version that had a great run representing New Brunswick early in the aughts. We might see him again uh, once we get into the aughts. Won the 1993 Briar and then would go on to win the World Championship that same year. Was the runner-up at the Briar in 92 and 94 as well. So just a a terrific run. And Scott, I I think for this one, for Russ Howard, I kind of want to put like the whole team uh, there, uh, particularly Mm -hmm. Wayne Madaw. As you know, he goes on to win a, a world championship and a, a briar as a skip on his own. 
as mm-hmm. does Russ, of course. Uh, and I think and Peter Corner too, right? Like, doesn't the whole team go on to win a Briar? Uh, I don't think Peter Corner ever won, but uh, he made it to the to the Briar as yeah. a skip out of Ontario, which is pretty incredible. Uh, this is one of the greatest teams of all time. When you talk about okay, who's the greatest men's curling team? For me, it's either this team, uh, you know, as you say, with uh, with Wayne at second and Glenn at third, or it's the Kevin Martin teams uh, with Nichols and Kennedy and uh, not Nichols with Kennedy Hebert and uh, Johnny Moe there. So yeah, you could give this as a team award, but uh, he was definitely the leader. Uh, His slide is something that uh, people still talk about as such like a pure, crisp looking flat footed slide yep. uh something to model it after he's gone on now to be in the booth with tsn since 2010 uh, so it's 10 years of listening to him uh sean i got to meet so you know he's in your head uh i got to meet russ howard he came to the vancouver curling club yeah. after winning his gold medal in 2006 and i uh, was filming a little thing for cbc and uh, he threw a stone and I got to sweep a stone that he threw and I was pounding it to try and get it on the button. And sure enough, we got it on the button and having Russ Howard yell at you <laughs> while you're sweeping is this sort of like, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. Oh man, I'm really scared. What's going on? Oh, it was just, uh, it was just awesome. Nice. So uh, good memories there too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like you say, one of the greatest teams of all time, if not the greatest team of all time. And just to put a pin in Peter Corner did not win the Briar as a skip, but did make it there in 2000, mm-hmm. went eight and three representing Ontario, lost a tiebreaker to Jeff Stoughton that year. Uh, that's, of course, the great uh, Greg McCauley year where he, uh, that's he right. goes on and Russ Howard was actually played in that event and lost that final. So uh, just uh, just an incredible team. No question about it. So for as much as, yeah, that's we're, we're calling it Russ Howard. I, I think we, we're calling it Team Howard, really. Could be, yeah. 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 All right, let's uh, move on to number two. We're going to head back overseas. We're going to Sweden. And Elizabeth Gustafsson, who in the 1990s made five Euro appearances and won three of them, 92, 93, and 97, got medals in the other two appearances of 96 and 95 and a three-time world champion during the decade 95 98 and 99 also won the bronze medal at the worlds in 93 and 94 and she was the bronze medalist at those 1998 olympic games finishing behind lavson and schmerler just uh, an incredible decade for Elizabeth Gustafsson, and if not for the number one player on the list, who really just kind of overtook everything and had an incredible run, I mean, this is this is almost Scott like I don't know if like Holman Jones in a way, if I could put it into a modern rivalry who we see frequently, or mm-hmm. maybe even Hasselberg and Tiranzoni might be a better comp. Uh, as as sort of the rivalry there but just a, an incredible 90s rivalry between the top two on this list and gustafson held her own oh yeah yeah and uh you know we we had elizabeth hoogstrom last week 
from Sweden and we pass it off to another, another Elizabeth. Well, without the H, but, uh, as the Swedish sort of representative and she, she takes it up a notch, you know, it was hard, hard to do, but she takes it up a notch. Uh, all those accomplishments, as you say, just a, a great player, always somebody that you look forward to watching at the worlds, you know, when you get that Canada game against them, just so, so good. So good. Yeah. But Scott, who topped her? Well, Sean, there's only one person that can be the top of this list, uh, and that's Sh- Sandra the Schmurler the Curler. Yeah. Sandra Schmurler the Curler. Scotty's champion, 93, 94, 97. Bronze in 95 and 98. Three-time world champ, 93, 94, 97. The Olympic gold in 1998, we all remember. And it's that that shot at the trials where she made the in-off to win over Shannon Clybrink. And their team is jumping up and down and mm-hmm. screaming. And it's just such happiness yeah. that it, it, I mean, I don't know how you pick anybody else for the nineties. It, it'd be really hard to, for sure. And, and yeah, that shot against Clybrink, you, you kind of almost forget that she's a three-time world champion at that point. Cause, or when you watch that shot back, cause it sounds yeah. like that's the shot that made Sandra Schmirler. But no, she was a three-time no. world champion already. Uh, and then that shot, she makes it, of course, uh, and then wins the gold medal at the Olympics. Doesn't quite have a, I don't think, a signature moment at the Olympics just because she was so much better than everybody else that she didn't need <laughs> mm-hmm. a big shot like that. Uh, but yeah, that shot against uh, Shannon Clybrink, it's it's kind of one-two in terms of that and the Jones shot in, was it 05? 05, yeah. Uh, sort of which one is better, and you can debate either way. I think I give the edge a little bit to the Schmirler shot over the the Jones shot, but I'll, you know, if I'll, I'll take the second pick in that draft uh, g- gladly. Such a great presence in the sport too. I think her name helps, frankly, that you get yep. that rhyme. Uh, yeah. Really popularized the sport. That she was from Saskatchewan, I think, matters as well. You know, the, a real hotbed of curling in the sport that, as we mm-hmm. talked about a little bit last week, hasn't had the success at the national level to the extent that you might expect for that province. So having her be so successful coming out of Saskatchewan, unfortunately, she didn't win the Scotties that was in Regina that she played in. She got she medaled in that event, but uh, mm-hmm. didn't, didn't win it, which that would have been insane. Just uh, the party around it. Think, think Gushu winning in St. John's. Yeah, but with more farmers there, I guess. <laughs> but you know, it would have been a great party and uh, just a, an incredible run for her. That it, it's so tragic, obviously, what what happened uh, following the Olympics and uh, her being diagnosed with cancer. Not only just the human cost, which is obviously tragic for her and the family, but there's a huge what if with her too. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah. Could you like if if that team was was going to stay together, which I mean, they were all t- best friends. So there's no reason to think they wouldn't have continued to play together. Mm-hmm. Those matchups with her and Colleen Jones in the early aughts would have been just incredible. And so it's it's such a, a, a what if on the sport. But, you know, she made such a huge impression, and a huge mark on the sport in the limited time that she had and made the most of it and just uh, an incredible individual whose legacy continues to live on, I think both on and off the ice. Yeah. And it's nice that we're able to still remember, you know, every year 
when they do the Sandra Schmirler telethon and, you know, they show, show the shots and, you know, her winning it's, it's always in our minds, you know, that how great they were and it, you're right. The what if of how great they could have been yeah. uh, is, is one of the great, one of the, like the, the great questions in, in curling. I think we talked about it even right uh, mm-hmm. in our what ifs of curling episodes. Yeah. So number one with a bullet, the greatest of the nineties. Uh, it's a shame we couldn't see what she did in the aughts, but uh, it doesn't take away from the highs that, uh, that we got to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, if she was still with us today, I'm sure she'd be in a booth somewhere. She did some broadcasting before she died mm-hmm. and uh, it just could have just have her and McCusker be a booth on their own. I'd, I'd be in fact, bring them all in, get them all in there, bring the four in, get uh, uh, Marcy and, uh, uh, Jan Becker and Jan Becker, get them all like that. That would have been fun. It's just the yeah. four of them. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, very, very tragic. And actually, when I did the 2001 Scotty's final Run It Back episode with uh, Jonathan mm. and Ryan on Rocks Across the Pond, the fifth end break of that final, there was a big profile on the th- other three members of the team who were going to continue to play. It was just after Sandra Schmirler had passed, and it was with Shannon Clybrick who they were going to make that run at the Olympics. And they went to the trials in 2001, didn't obviously have the success that they would have liked at that event, but uh, it was a very powerful piece in, hmm. in that fifth end break. So uh, yeah, just uh, yeah. One, one of the giants of the game. No question. Sandra Schmidt. Yeah. All right, Sean, why don't you run it back? I You're will. so good at it. Okay. So here's our top 10 players of the 1990s. Number 10, the Danish skip, Helena Black Larvson. Then at number nine, we have Patrick Herleman, the first ever Olympic gold medalist on the men's side. Then at number eight, David Smith, the Scottish skip. Number seven, the great Connie Laliberti coming out of Manitoba. Number six, the old bear, Kevin Martin. Number five, the great Swedish skip, Pale Lindholm. And number four, the one and only Dordy Norby. At number three, the man who could yell and yell and yell, Russ Howard. And number two, Elizabeth Gustafson. And the number one with a bullet, no questions at all. Greatest player of the 1990s, the one and only Sandra Schmirler. So, Scott, what do you think of that list? Is there anything you would change? I really like this list. I wonder if maybe Russ Howard is a bit high. Okay. Comparing comparing him to Kevin Martin, you know, like I guess he's a little bit the elder statesman compared to Kevin Martin, but uh, uh you know, the top of the list, I think boom, we got it. No doubt. So overall, pretty good. I, I know we talked about, you know, Jeff Stoughton, maybe Vic Peters. Yep. Uh there's a few that could have been on this list, but uh I'd like to hear from the others. Who who did we who do we miss? Yeah, let us know who we missed in the 1990s. Uh, if, if there's somebody who is either in the wrong place here or if there's somebody who we missed entirely, do let us know. You can find us on social media at Game of Stones Pod or you can send us an email at Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com as that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcast, likes, ratings, comments, all that stuff helps us. And 
you can head on over to gameofstonespod.com. All of our past episodes are there. Plus, under the merch tab, you can find the t-shirts with all proceeds going to Food Banks Canada and the rest of the merch, the toque, the hoodies, the baseball tee, all the proceeds from that going to the Sandra Schmerler Foundation for neonatal care. And we are matching all of the proceeds from those products. So get in there. And if there's something you like, do go ahead, purchase it. And if there's nothing that you like, you can make a donation. And we're not going to complain about that. We're yeah, or let, let us know Let us know what you want to see. We can uh, always make some changes to the store. So Yeah, if, yeah, if there's stuff that you want, we can uh, certainly do that. So uh, thank you again, everybody, for listening. If you want to follow along with us, as I said, on social media, it's at Game of Stones Pod. Scott's at Scott Lakes TV. I am at the Sean Graham. As we are now into August, Scott, and uh, really the dog days of summer are upon us. How do you like to cope with the heat? Well, Sean, I close all my windows and blinds and uh, just try to reduce my energy consumption as much as possible. While still staying cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be honest, nothing beats a cold, frosty brew. And yep. I think I'm about to have one now. All right. Well, enjoy yourself and uh, drink responsibly. Always do. Always. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back with you again next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.